Joel Osteen, a man who on a good Sunday morning might quote a verse of the Bible, and generally when he does, it is out of context. A man whose teaching, as you saw, focuses on you, if you will, ourselves, how to be a better you. He wrote a book called The Power of I Am. And let me just tell you, the I Am isn't God in that book. Fancy how he says, the power of I Am, what's your mind go to? But it's you, see. And even though many people know this, along with numerous other things that was just mentioned there in that video, Christians run They run to stores to purchase millions of his books, millions. 40,000 people will attend a church service where he's at in Houston on Sunday morning. 40,000. Over 10 million watch him on TV every Sunday. Besides Joel Osteen, today we have the likes of, say, Joyce Meyer, an absolute outright heretic. Um, of course, we don't, she's not a pastor because women aren't pastors. But she denies essential Christian doctrine. She denies the atonement on the cross when Jesus said, to tell us die, it is finished. Oh no, 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 no. Jesus had to go to hell to be tortured by demons and somehow be the first born again man. Bizarre, but yet blasphemous. You have Stephen Furtick from Elevation Church. You have T.D. Jakes, both modalists that don't even understand the nature of God. Todd White, you probably see him. He's a white guy with dreadlocks down to here. You may have seen him before. Kenneth Copeland, one of the worst, Kenneth Copeland. Creflo Dollar, or as I call him, Creflo, give me another dollar. Bill Johnson, have you heard of Bill Johnson? Bill Johnson is the pastor of Bethel, Bethel Church, involved with Bethel Music, which is up in Redding, California. Um, They are connected with the International House of Prayer. They are part of the NAR, or what's called the New Apostolic Reformation. They are the closest thing to a cult within or under the title of Christianity. It is silly and sad and ridiculous and cult-like, the things that they teach. Sadly, you have people like Beth Moore, who didn't always used to be the way she is. Sarah Young. Sarah Young wrote a little devotional called Jesus Calling. It's garbage. Since 2004, she has sold almost 15 million. And she says in the introduction of her book, basically, she just stood there with a pen and a paper waiting for Jesus to tell her. Which is where she got her idea from, because there used to be a book many years ago called God Calling, which two anonymous women said we sat there with our pen and paper, and whatever God told us, he just told us, we wrote it down. So everything in the book is why she changes the, the pronouns to eyes and uses, because she says herself, because it's God saying all this. Really? Wow. Whatever happened to the authority of Scripture? Whatever happened to the finality of what we call the Bible today? Benny Hinn, certainly one of the worst. John Arnott. John Arnott in the 1990s was part of what's called the Toronto Blessing, uh, the Vineyard Movement. Um, Horrible, horrible. They called themselves the third wave of the charismatic movement. He's still alive today as well. Uh, Jen Hatmaker, maybe you ladies have heard of her, a very liberal woman, 
uh, has no problem with, you know, homosexuality. You name it, she just uh, socially is just a big lib, a useless person to read. Joseph Prince, Sid Roth, Paula White. And folks, I'll be honest with you, the list can just keep going. These are not people that I just simply disagree with. Folks, these are heretics. These are false teachers. Some of them deny essential Christian doctrine. Some of them teach things that are outright blasphemous. In the 21st century church, I feel that we, the church, are the most gullible that we have ever been. Today's church is so absolutely ignorant of Scripture that they fall for literally just about any teaching that comes along because they're just flat-out ignorant. And that is certainly their fault, but it's also the fault of many, many pastors who absolutely will not just sit here and start teaching the Word of God. It's mind-boggling when you go to the Trinity Broadcasting Network, also known as TBN. They're certainly the largest purveyor of false teachers in the world. On a given weekend, they can have a praise-a-thon, and they bring in millions and millions of dollars, which just continues to keep all these teachers going. Folks, false teachers are absolutely everywhere. They're everywhere. Now, hopefully, most of you here know that. We're told in the Bible that it was happening then, and as you know, we're told in the Bible that it's going to continue to happen, and it is still happening today. But for some reason, even though we say, oh yeah, God, I believe it, I see it in Scripture, I, 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 I know it's taking place, but we just can't admit that they really are here. They're here. They're in our midst. They're down the street. They're in the next city over. They're everywhere, folks. Liars and cheats, heretics that are greedy for your money. These are people that get on the news. They're on TV. They're in Christian magazines who will literally say anything, anything. They will twist God's word into a pretzel. And millions of so-called Christians follow them, buy their books, fund their ministries. Folks, do you realize how much the word false is all over the New Testament? The word false. False prophets, false teachers, false Christs, false witnesses, false testimonies, false brothers, false apostles, false motives, false doctrines. I saw a video, the other, a video the other day of a guy saying he's the son of God and you can hear the people applauding him and salvation must go through him. Can you just imagine seeing that? You're going, are you serious? It's real. But you know what this means? Folks, whether it was in the New, century, the New Testament, the first century when the New Testament was written, or all the way up to today, many of these people who, who claim to be prophets, they claim to be real teachers and actual apostles, genuine witnesses with authentic testimonies, are not. That means they're not. Oh, but I'm this. No, you're not. But I'm that. No, you're not. 
Just because someone stands in front of a podium with a Bible in their hand doesn't mean anything, and that's unfortunate. But it just makes it easier for them to carry out their lie. If you stand here with a Bible in their hand, that in itself is going to sucker many people who are sitting out there because he's got a Bible in his hand. The Apostle John could not have been any clearer in 1 John 4, chapter 1, where he says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. When he says test the spirits, it's not a spirit. The spirit of the false teacher is what he's talking about. Test the, uh, the spirits because false teachers are everywhere. The Bereans tested the Apostle Paul. But what do people do today when you test them? When you say, whoa, wait a minute, what do they say today? How dare you touch God's anointed? That's their, that's their one-liner. How dare you come to me? How dare you challenge me? I'm God's anointed. How's that for, for arrogant? As for the church in Corinth... Paul told them they were false men, there were false apostles, there were deceitful workmen masquerading as apostles of Christ. In the church in Galatia, Paul told the church that false brothers, he uses the word specifically, had infiltrated their ranks. False brothers, people who claim to be Christians are just like you. They walk into the church, they sit down next to you and say, good morning, and they end up getting in the church and leading the church in a different direction, talking to people, lying to people, challenging them with false doctrine. And the church goes that direction. In chapter 1 there in Galatia, Paul said these people were perverting the gospel of Christ. He didn't say they had a difference because they were from another denomination. They were perverting the gospel of Christ. And of course, you have that massive con uh, condemnation there in, Act in Galatians chapter 1 where Paul says, if anybody, that pretty much includes everybody, right? If anybody preaches to you a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let him be anathema. Let him be eternally condemned. Folks, it takes a lot for the apostle Paul to say, let's be honest, eternally condemned means what? Let him go to hell. You don't hear the Apostle Paul say that very much. But that's how serious it is when people come along and teach a false doctrine, a false Jesus, a false Christ. Oh, no, he really didn't rise from the dead physically. He rose spiritually. Well, Jesus really didn't pay for your sins on the cross. The demons had to torture him. What? And we could just go on and on. As you can see, I've decided not to go into Romans chapter 2 this morning in order I wanted to talk about this. Literally every day, and I mean this, every day, I either see or read or watch a video of a false teacher. Every day. And that's my own fault, but it helps me to know what's going on. A couple weeks ago, as you know, I spoke here at the 9.30 Bible study hour and we talked about some of the things that these false teachers teach. Um, and of course, we countered that with what the Bible actually says. 
Thankfully, there were many of you who had an interest in that. And as you know, it is also my responsibility as a pastor of this church to make sure that I protect you. Don't take that wrongly, but it's my job to protect the flock from wolves. And therefore, I thought that I would talk about this message this morning, which is actually in 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. stuff gets me fired up. There's just so many horrid teachers. Like Seth was speaking this morning. Some of these people come in, they're destroying households. They're duping one person and drawing the whole family in and other things, of course. You think of the early church when, when on the flip side, somebody would, uh, like Lydia, Paul came in and share the gospel And it wasn't long before the whole family was baptized because she shared the gospel and it went the other direction. The whole family got saved. This is just the opposite. It's destroying families and lives. This book, 1 Timothy, as you know, is a personal letter. It's not a letter written to a church. It's a personal letter from Paul to Timothy, whom he calls, like Titus, my true son in the faith. Paul was the one who led Timothy to the Lord, Paul was the one who mentored Timothy, taught him, carried him along, brought him along, and Timothy matured and, of course, grew in the faith to be just like Paul. Now, as Paul begins this letter, he barely even gets out of the introduction, and he gets right into the very same subject matter that I just mentioned to you. And so if you have your Bibles, read with me verses 3, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Paul tells Timothy, he says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command, he says, is love. Love, of course, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. Some have wandered away from these, and they have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. Now, as we begin this morning here in verse 3, I want you to note here Paul's concern for the church, or if you will, the believers in Ephesus. A concern, by the way, that I believe every single pastor should have about his church, and that is, of course, that uh, whatever church that is, that is that, number one, they should know the truth and therefore be protected from lies. Unfortunately, so many pastors, and I'm not putting myself in a pedestal, but they don't teach the word. They always say they do. They just throw in a few Bible verses here and there. Paul says, I want people to know the truth, and it will protect them from the lies. It was never Paul's desire like today. It was never Paul's desire to start this church growth program. I can't tell you how much I heard of that when I was back in school. Church growth, church growth, church growth. I personally feel the same way that that Paul does. I would rather teach and equip the people that God has given to me, that God has brought to this church, than to always focus on numbers. 
just to have numbers. Folks, numbers mean nothing. They're just numbers. It's the sanctification of God's people that matters. Which is why I told people over the years, I'd rather have two pews, <laughs> two pewfuls of people from a, a church of thousands who just go there and hear a feel-good message and bail. I'd rather take those people and say, let's, let's study together. Let's learn together. Let's grow together. Let's be sanctified together. That's what matters. That's what mattered with Paul. Paul was continually concerned about the welfare of the Christians. We can see that expressed through number one. Paul wrote half of the New Testament, 13 out of the 27 books, all the letters he wrote to them. He was concerned. He cared for them. He taught them. He challenged them. And of course, number two, how in those very same letters he, he speaks of the ceaseless prayers for them. He always continued to pray. At the amount of times you read that, I wonder if he had time to even eat. <laughs> the, the, the people he prayed for was just, I mean, hundreds or not more. But he continued because he cared for the church. He cared for their spiritual lives. Paul was extremely grateful, as we all know, that God had used him to bring numerous people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he also wanted to make sure these very same people were receiving sound doctrine, which means right teaching is simply what that means. Um, this is awesome. He wasn't just some evangelist. They got saved, and he went on to the next group. He says, okay, stop. You need to mature. You need to learn. You need to get grounded in truth. And throughout his entire life, this was obvious because Paul never left a church that he started spiritually destitute. Paul never left any church spiritually destitute. He was never satisfied with the church just knowing the basics and therefore leaving themselves vulnerable to literally every wind of doctrine that came along. Notice in verse 3 here, this is where why Paul left Timothy there in Ephesus in the first place. He says, I urged you, Paul talking to Timothy, when I went to Macedonia, he says, Timothy, stay there in Ephesus. Why? So that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines. If you were here during our Bible study hour, it's kind of the same thing that happened with Paul writing um, to Titus as he was there left in Crete. Okay? And so as we can see from this verse, Paul and Timothy were there together. They were there together in Ephesus, and Paul felt that he needed to attend to things in Macedonia, right? And so he tells Timothy, hey, uh, uh, before I leave, and which was alluded to, he's going to be leaving, he says, it's very important that you stay here because I'm just tired, these are my words, I'm just tired of people teaching error, they're duping Christians. I'm not going to let these people get away with it, number one. And number two, I'm concerned about the spiritual welfare of the church. I don't want them falling prey to bogus instruction. I only wish the church today, churches today, pastors today felt the same way. How many people have they lost from their congregations? How many lives are being devastated who are getting sucked into these false teachers? So as we look in this verse, it's telling us two things. Number one, that certainly Paul had confidence in young Timothy, right? 
He feels that, uh, spiritually speaking, Timothy was up for the challenge. He felt that uh, Timothy was mature enough to get this church back on the right track. And if you ever did a little bit of a study on Timothy, you'll know that uh, he was a faithful man of God. He had a very good reputation amongst the churches. And he also had the exact same desire that Paul did to serve God by serving others. Keep that in mind, folks. You, you serve the Lord by serving others. Okay? He was the same way. And then secondly, and most importantly in this verse, Paul was not a compromiser. He was not a compromiser when it came to spiritual truth. He knew for a fact that if this bad seed of doctrine was left untouched, it would do nothing but grow and grow and grow and ultimately have a bad effect on the spiritual well-being of this church. And so he told Timothy, you've got to deal with these false teachers that's the first thing he says out of the box. A lot of things he says in that book that are very important. But you know what? You, we can't have false teachers floating around. And so like, like, like Paul told Titus in chapter 1, verse 11, he says, they must be silenced. They must be silenced. I so much, folks, wish the church today would learn from this. The church today seems to be literally open to anything that comes along as long as they call themselves evangelical. That's the key word today. It changes every few years. But as long as somebody labels themselves that, the church just goes, oh, okay. Well, they must be a brother in Christ. They're not a brother in Christ. Are you kidding me? You'll never convince me Joel Osteen is even saved. If you listen to his interviews, just out of his own mouth, you go, that guy doesn't know Jesus Christ. He won't even say Jesus is the only way. He thinks Hindus believe in the same God. What? And trust me, folks, this has nothing to do with, with petty arguments between denominations. I'm not talking about that. That's always been around. Okay. This has to do with pastors and teachers having the guts to stand for truth even when it's unpopular. You know how many people today, and this is not a pat on my back, how many people today would not have mentioned one name that I brought up today? I mentioned a litany of names. They won't mention names. I had a girl leave the church one day because I brought up Joyce Meyer. And I quoted, quoted from Joyce Meyer. She bailed, never come back. How dare I do that? Really? So if I'm going to tell people Listen, church, you can't follow people who believe A, B, C, and D. Well, what's my question? Well, who, who are the ones who teach it? How do, I, how do I know? Well, let me tell you who they are. Paul called people out. Look in Scripture. He called people out by name, publicly, in letters. Not because I don't like them, but I can't stand them for what they teach and the lies they bring forth on Scripture. And so many pastors just won't do that. It, it blows my mind because there are more popular false teachers probably than there are good ones today. If you have cable, if you have DirecTV, Dish, whatever, look down on these spiritual channels, if you will. <laughs> There's probably six, seven of them. Just look at it one time and you'll, you, you, you're lucky you might find one teacher there who's defa 
They're all heretics or Catholic, word of faith, whatever. All of them. And those are all the Christian channels there are. And they're all false teachers. So many times people are more concerned about the backlash. Right? I mentioned something this morning to Seth. Well, we can't say anything to those people because they're the biggest givers in the church. And God forbid we can't have them leave. And they're good friends with the Smiths and the Johnsons. And then they, really? But, but you'll let them parade around and sharing and teaching false doctrine with people instead of the truth? Well, I don't want to cause any, you know, ruffle any feathers. Neither do I. But you have to do that. That's your job. You are a shepherd. You protect the flock. We need to stand for truth and we need to call out error. Because trust me, folks, I know this for a fact, when error is left alone in the church, it will grow and it only takes a little while before it's accepted as truth. You've seen this, for those of you my age, you've seen this in politics. Somebody will come up and make a bold-faced lie and it's almost in the news every single solitary day. And then it's accepted as true. It's just made up. And then all of a sudden somebody stands against that they're the bad guy. Wait, 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 wait. I just called out an absolute bold-faced lie, but it's been going on for so long, and they've been telling this lie. It's now like, well, you're, you're an idiot. You're a jerk. What do you mean that's a lie? Because it just, it's accepted as truth. It's no different within the church. You keep telling the same lie over and over and over and over, and people just believe it as truth. And this is why I believe the church is where it is today. This is why the prosperity teachers are still thriving. And heretics like Joel Osteen have 40,000 people attending his church to hear this utter nonsense. And then sadly, you happen to get a glimpse of something on TV and maybe it's a, a show or a, you know, some show on TV that's on every day. And today our guest, our guest speaker is America's pastor. And it's always a heretic. America's pastor? Really? And now everybody sees it. Now, well, hey, let me turn on that America's pastor and see what he has to say. And he's, he's feeding lies. When I first became a believer back in 1988, uh, most Christian apologists in the United States, they were all dealing with... Um, cults and false religions, okay? They're, all of their ministries were focused on things like Mormons, um, Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian science, Scientology, things like that. That's where their focus was. As they were trying to protect the church. By the way, apologetics means to defend the faith, okay? So we're taking a defense. We're standing up on the truth. We're defending against Mormonism and JWs and so on and so on and so on. But today, it's, it's, it is just the opposite, okay? Most of their time and their resources and their money are going towards error that's coming from, guess where? The church. It's coming from within. An apologetics ministry, a ministry to defend the truth of the faith, as Jude verse 3 says. And all of its assets go into quote-unquote Christianity. The theological doors of the church are so wide open that the battle for the church today is with itself. 
how sad it is to know an entire ministry, huge ministries. Their focus is, is no longer on these guys who come to your front door or L. Ron Hubbard or anybody else. It's from the false teaching that's being tossed everywhere in the church. In, quote, the church. And remember, folks, this would absolutely never happen if people were not falling for false teachers. These people would not get airtime. No one would ever even know their names if Christians would simply know the truth and they have the ability to spot the error. If I'm somewhere, and who knows, maybe at a hotel somewhere, I'm going, well, what's, I'm going to see something before I go to bed. If I see some guy on there that I have no idea who he is, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pay attention to what he says. But if you're completely ignorant and you're vulnerable, you're gullible, all you know is this guy's at a church, he's walking around holding a Bible in his hand like this, and he's saying whatever he wants to say, and you just believe it. Just believe it. Here in verse 3, Paul calls them teaching false doctrine, he says. They're teaching false doctrine. The compound word in the Greek, it's actually, the words teaching false doctrine is one word. It's heterodidaskaleo. There's a good word for you to know. (laughs) All right, just kidding. Didaskaleo means to teach. Heteros means another of a different kind. Okay? Those two words get put together into one. According to Kenneth Wiest in his studies in the Greek New Testament, he says the idea is not merely that those exhorted are not to teach another doctrine, but they are not to teach a different doctrine, a doctrine that is contrary to true doctrine. Well, that's everywhere, by the way, on TBN. He goes on to say that our English word heterodoxy means false doctrine, and it refers not to doctrines of false religions. Okay? It's not talking about the doctrines of, you know, Mormonism or Islam or anything else, but to doctrines that pose or uh, which poses as true Christian doctrine, which is kind of what we're talking about. That which is diametrically opposed to the true teachings of Christianity. He says, this is what Paul is referring to, which is exactly what I'm talking about, which is exactly what we see in here today. How many times have you heard me say, it just seems like we have this box, this empty box, and it's labeled Christianity, and everything, every belief, every doctrine just gets thrown into it, and it's still labeled Christianity. That has nothing to do with that. But things keep getting added and added and added until ultimately, if you do that, Christianity means nothing. See, if you, if you, if you like a, a certain political group, keep yelling racist every day, eventually racism means nothing. If you just, every single day, it's all you do is yell. It just means nothing. If you just keep throwing things in the box of Christianity, it's not Christianity. This belief, that belief, this doctrine, this change of nature of God, whatever else, and it keeps going on and on. Christianity is just a mesh of whatever. And we're the bad people if we stand up and oppose it. I cannot emphasize this enough, folks. This is exactly what goes on today. They give you an example. They give you, if you will, a sample of truth. Okay? They give you a sample of truth. They'll throw out 
John 3.16, Ephesians 2.8 and 9, whatever verse you happen to know or memorize, because you're going to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know that. I, I, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you feel comfortable because they just brought up John 3.16 or something. And then they literally stuff the remainder of that sandwich with a big fat lie and tell you, oh, it's, it's good for you to eat. And you're okay because you're sitting here, but all you can remember is the guy who started his sermon off with John 3.16. So he must be legit. And then he just keeps feeding you and feeding you and feeding you and says, eat this, it's really good. Sounds a little bit like the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? Just keeps telling you it's okay. And you're eating it up. Because he used just enough of the truth to catch your attention, and now you're hanging on that, but hearing a pack of lies. And then he'll throw in another truth. Like Joel Osteen will do. He'll just throw, well, you know what Jeremiah says, blah. And you're going, what does that have to do with what you just said? Nothing. I've seen it with my own eyes. Nothing. It's the hardest thing folks to fight against and to warn people of because they mix truth and error. Well, I heard this guy say this and this and this. Don't you believe that, Darren? Yep, I do believe that. But I don't believe everything else he says. Well, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, do you? I do. If you, if you, you know, it's one thing, well, I mean, it's a bad analogy, but the bottom line is, you know the principle. <laughs> yeah, if he's going to teach you half garbage and half truth, he's gone. He's gone. But people don't do that. They begin to believe this stuff. People who teach it, folks, they're good at what they do. They're good enough to convince millions of people, millions Verse 4, he says there were some other problems. First, he says they were teaching false doctrines. I want you to command them to not teach false doctrines any longer. And then he says, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. What do they do? They promote controversy rather than God's work, which is by faith. Now, for years, there have been, I don't know why, but there have been a, a, a disagreement on this view of what are the myths and genealogies, what are they referring to in its historical context? Uh, some believe it has to do with more of Gnostic in nature. Others believe it is more Jewish in nature. I personally believe the latter. I believe that it's more focusing around false Judaistic beliefs. Uh, matter of fact, if you just real quick, if you flip over to the right, hang a right in your Bible and go to Titus chapter 1, verse 14. Titus chapter 1, yeah. That's pretty much where you ended today, isn't it? <laughs> In Titus chapter 1, verse 14, my eyes adjust, it says, well, let me go back up to verse 13. He says, rebuke, rebuke them sharply, and he tells you who they are in the previous verses. Rebuke them sharply so that they may be sound in the faith and pay no attention to what? Jewish myths or to the commands of those who reject the truth. So we're talking about Jewish myths. Flip over to the same, to stay in Titus. Look at chapter 3, verse 9. Probably just turn one page. He says, but avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. So 
you could draw it back to 1 Timothy now, but just was saying that these myths were Jewish and the other sayings, these genealogies were dealing with the law. And right here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says they want to be teachers of the law. To me, it's an issue of erroneous teaching as far as the Old Testament scriptures are concerned. And by the way, 1 Timothy and Titus were written at pretty much the same time. So this isn't two different generations of different whole, there's same thing going around, okay? So uh, what they're dealing with are the same issues. But if anything, these were man-made supplements to the law of God. And listen, nobody did that better than the Jews. <laughs> they would supplement, they're man-made, right? Like the Catholic church, church tradition, right? As if we care about church tradition, we care about the truth. But back then, nobody did it better than the Jews, okay? Now, there was uh, an abundance amount of evidence that uh, in the early days of Judaism, uh, they would read, as, like, they, like we hear about today. Anybody ever heard of the Talmud? You heard of the Talmud? Yeah. Um, it was going on back then. Today, people read what's called the Talmud. Talmud is the, if you will, oral tradition. Maybe you want to call it a commentary on the law. It's not the law itself, but it is a rabbinical opinion, okay? They want to go beyond what the Bible says. Let me just give you this. And a lot of the false teachers today do the same thing. Let me throw out what the Bible says, right? Now that I got you hooked, let me just tell you something else, right? Quoting William Hendrickson, he says, it is a known fact that from early times, the rabbis would, quote, spin their yarns, and endless yarns they were, on the basis on what they considered a hint that was supplied from the Old Testament. Now you're going, what does that even mean? What he's saying here is the rabbis would basically read between the lines of the Old Testament and they would come up with these, quote, hints of what God was trying to say. And then, of course, they would just fill in the blanks. Okay. Well, this is, I think, what God is trying to say here. You know, and they just throw out this, these extra biblical kinds of things. In Marvin Vincent's word study of the New Testament, he says he believes that there are traditional, he believes that they are traditional supplements to the law, allegorical interpretations, Jewish stories of miracles and rabbinical fabrications, whether in history or in doctrine. Okay, matter of fact, right here in First Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 7, Paul calls them godless myths and old wives' tales. Okay? Seeming, all this stuff seemingly revolved around some of the Judaistic beliefs. But the bottom line is that, unfortunately, some of the leaders, some of the church leaders in the early church got hooked up with some of this stuff, and they felt that these beliefs were just as worthy as scriptures were taught, as if they were God-given truth. No different than I said earlier on with Sarah Young and her Bible, G, or Bible, her devotional Jesus calling. You can't sit here and say, God, Jesus spoke to me, and I just had my pencil in hand and wrote it down, and here's the book. That's ridiculous. But they believe that's, that's great. Oh, I'm so encouraged by that. I approached somebody not too long ago. I walked in their office, and I saw that sitting there. I mean, you know me, I'm a, kind of a blunt person. I said, that's trash. And uh, I said, don't give it away, burn it. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Well, you know, no, I don't know. Well, you know, it's trash. See? 
People need to know these kinds of things because you're looking at them saying, oh, but it's such an encouragement. They're lies. They're just made-up lies. I mean, yeah, I can encourage anybody by giving you a lie. Kenneth, um, it just came to my mind, uh, Kenneth Hagen, false teacher from back in the day. Uh, he's passed away now. He was caught dead to rights with a little thing in his ear, right? His wife was in the foyer of the church, and they can hear each other. His wife would walk around and say, uh, hi, young lady, what's your name? Bob? Young lady named Bob. Got that one going. Hi, what's your name, sir? <laughs> Bob, whatever. Oh, Bob, what happened to your leg? Well, you know, I broke my leg the other day. Wow, okay, blah, 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 blah. And he can hear this. And you know where I'm going with this. So now he's in the middle of the service, and he's doing, he's doing this whole garbage. Oh, man, you know, God is speaking to me right now. He, is there a man named uh, uh, Bob here? They do, they do. I mean, I watched this, by the way, on video. And the guy, Bob, Bob's like, he, uh, uh, you have a broken leg. Bob's like, what, what? Yeah, that's me. And he starts going through this garbage. But he was caught dead to rights. So he was approached after the service, and they said, what, what is this? This is, this is an absolute scam. And what did he say? He said, but you know, weren't those people encouraged? That was his answer. Weren't those, I think maybe the word was blessed. Weren't those people blessed? So it's okay to bless people with a bold-faced lie of lying to them, cheating, telling them something that's nonsense? Like the book, Jesus Calling. It, it, you, what? What is that? I can encourage anybody by lying to them, but that's what people do. That's what false teachers do. Godless myths and old wives' tales. Here's one of the problems in the rest of verse 4. Paul tells Timothy, these promote controversies rather than God's work, which is by faith. It promotes controversies, do you think? So whatever the nature is of these false teachers, they are void, he's saying, of any spiritual value, and they only build on themselves more speculation and more debate. Folks, there's so much division today in the church because there's so many followers of false teachers. You feel like you can't even talk to a friend. You can't tell somebody the truth of Scripture about somebody. Because all this teaching does is cause division and controversies. That's all it does. It's constant. The only thing they bring to the table are problems and arguments. That's all these people bring. As Paul said to Timothy in his second letter, 2 Timothy 2, verses 16 through 18. He said their teaching was nothing but worldly and empty chatter, leading to further ungodliness. If you ever watched a service, a service of some of these false teachers, if you want to see ungodliness, there you will have it. He says such talk will spread like gangrene, leading people away from the truth. That's what he's talking about here in the first century. But folks, it's bizarre because that, that verse, you could have written, God could have wrote that yesterday and it would apply to today. It's, it's, so, it's so clear to what's happening today. It's happening then, don't get me wrong. That's exactly what is happening today. It's another way of saying all these things do is take you from what matters. It's this onward debate about this and this and this. 
and takes you, it draws you away from truth and what matters and fellowship and the word of God. I told people many times, if all we do on a Wednesday night is just talk about the Bible, that's a good night. You can't do that with these people who are listening to false teachers or the false teachers themselves. You just can't. It's a controversy. Really? It's scripture? Studying scripture is a controversy? Really? As I said a minute ago, so much time and energy and money has gone into responding to today's false teachers and their controversies. The church spends a lot of money on dealing with this. They don't spend time, these, these false people, they don't spend time teaching the word of God. It's as if you read this verse here in verse four, it's, it's like a 21st century version of the same thing. Our stewardship to God is interrupted. It's, it's hindered because we're spreading all our time, we're spending all of our time fighting against false teachers. But as I said earlier, they wouldn't even be here if it, if it wasn't for Christians following them, buying their books, sending them money. And they only do that because they're ignorant of the truth. Otherwise, they should just be able to go, hmm, what did he just say? Back that up. But they don't. See, well, as we enter into verses 5 and 6, Paul wants Timothy to know that it's not just about giving somebody a spiritual beating. Okay? His point, he's saying, is not just verbally bashing the false teachings, but he says it's much deeper than that. Look what he says in verses 5 and 6. He says, The goal of this command is love. Love, if you will, comes from a pure heart, a good conscience any sincere faith. He says, some have wandered away from these. These are the three things we just read. Some have wandered away from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. He says, they have turned to meaningless talk. Let me read this from the NLT, the New Living Translation. It says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love, a love that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and a genuine faith. But some people have missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and they spend their time in meaningless discussions. The highest goal of the believer, you could pull this from our text here, is love, right? That's what he's saying. Number one, love for God. Number two, love, concern for our fellow man. We should obviously know this, right? Same question was asked to Jesus. What's the greatest commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, Strength, this is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it, right? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, unfortunately, in the Ephesian church, as we've just got through studying, this was not currently happening. The false teaching was causing, what did he call it? Controversies instead of God's work. It was constant speculation and ongoing debate, problems and arguments that only brought about ungodliness. It's the furthest thing that God wants in his church. The furthest thing that God wants in his church. And so Paul says, what God wants for the church is love. That's the word agape in the Greek, right? It's it's an uh, unconditional love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love of choice. It's a love of self-denial. It's a love, he says, that comes from those three things. Right? A pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And by the way, if you ever want to know where you stand personally, because that's for you and me too, that's something we could examine. We can encourage ourselves to examine these issues. 
Do I struggle loving people? Do I have these three things, right? Pure heart, right? All these conscious. Do I have these things in me? First, he says, though, that love comes from a pure heart. Pure heart speaks of a cleansed, a cleansed life, okay? It's a singular purpose that is not self-focused. It's God-focused, okay? And obviously, that has to do with our obedience to him. King David figured this out himself. He committed a, a horrible sin with not just Bathsheba, but also murdering her husband, having him murdered, Uriah. But what happened when he eventually cried out to God? He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean, a pure heart. Another prerequisite of love is a good conscience. As you know, every man has a conscience. Everyone does. It is a God-given, God-created, self-judging faculty of man. I mentioned it last week, actually, when I finished Romans chapter 1. He mentions this conscience in Romans chapter 2. It either affirms, your conscience affirms what is right, or it will accuse you of what is wrong. A good conscience is, is free from offense from either man or God. I have a good conscience. I'm, I've, I've, I'm, I'm okay with, with this or that. It's one that is free from remorse and shame and guilt. In other words, a good conscience carries a peace, a confidence, and a contentment before God. That no matter what people are saying, no matter what they accuse me of, no matter whatever, I know I've honored you and I've done what is right. Because remember, today, we're, we're the enemy today, right? Christians are the enemies. Right is wrong, and wrong is right. We can stand true and just literally quote the word of God, and we're wrong, we're heathens, we're homophobes, we're racists, we're whatever. Really? That doesn't bother me because I have a clear conscience because I, I'm not, I know I'm not those things, so it's not a big to do to me. But that, what we need to have, though, is a good conscience. And lastly, it comes from a sincere faith. The word sincere in the Greek just means without deception. Okay? A sincere faith means our faith is without deception. It's not hypocritical. Our faith is not a charade. I'm sure we've all known people like that. Literally, it means to be undisguised. Okay? Same word was used, by the way, in ancient Greece of an actor on a stage, right? One who assumes to be somebody he's not. Right? That's what an actor does. That's where that word comes from. He assumes to be somebody he's not. See? Therefore, what is sincere? Sincere is genuine. It's just genuine. It's real. Not hypocritical. Now, unfortunately, this is what these false teachers were not. They were not these things. By implication, they were a contrast to everything he just said in verse Five. They had none of these three things. Okay? Verse 6 says, they have wandered away from what? These, right? These meaning those three things, and they've turned to meaningless talk. That means these people knew what the truth was, but they deviated from it. This isn't some kind of misinterpretation uh, of, of the word. It's a change in doctrinal position. They knew the truth, they were taught the truth, but they chose to believe and they chose to teach a lie. You know how many people are scam artists today? No different than right here, what we're talking about. There are people out there today, false teachers, who believe they're right. 
They believe they're teaching what is true. And there are many who are just flat-out scam artists. They're not saved. They don't know Christ, never have. I mean, you just watch what they do. They just, they just lie because people give them millions of dollars. I watched a video of Todd White, supposedly uh, 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 this, this quote-unquote preacher. He's going he's gonna to lengthen a man's leg because he has a short leg. And you watch the video in slow motion. And you watch what he's doing. And as he's doing it, all of a sudden he pulls the shoe a little bit that way, right? Pulls it a little bit as if it's coming off. So now put your feet up there. Oh, look at that. You're healed. Your leg is longer. No, it's not. Your shoe was pulled back. That kind of person, folks, personally, literally went to that service to make up a lie to these people. That man has no conscience. He's saying, Almighty God did that. You just made up a lie. On video, we could see it. He's a scammer. There are scam artists out there. They know the truth, at least part of it, and they teach a lie because the lie makes them popular. The lie sells a book. The lie gives them millions of dollars. Skip forward here real quick. I think Paul's point here is that their goal, the false teacher's goal, was not love. It wasn't love for God. It wasn't a love for others. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Their goal was their own self-image. Like I just mentioned, people know who one man, people know who Todd White is, right? Their goal is their own self-image. It was their ego. They want people to look at them as somebody special. Look what it says in verse 7. It says they want to be teachers of the law. This is back up, obviously, in the first century. They want to be teachers of the law, but guess what? They don't even know what they're talking about, he says. <laughs> That's hilarious. Or what they so confidently affirm. Folks, this is so important to them that they're going to push ahead, even though what Paul says, they don't even know what they're talking about. In the late 70s, Few of you might remember those days. Bell bottoms, right? Afros and all kinds of stuff. Those were fun times. The back in the late 70s, Kenneth Copeland was there. He's still a heretic teaching today. He's one of the worst. Kenneth Copeland, he used to be the right-hand man of Oral Roberts, if you remember that name. He was teaching such trash, Walter Martin, Walter Martin used to be the president of the Christian Research Institute, largest apologetic ministry in the world. Back then, Walter Martin, today it's Hank Hennigar, Walter Martin challenged him to a debate on public television, and he'll pay for it. Meet me, ABC, NBC, CBS, I don't care what it is. I challenge you to a public debate. I will pay for it. won't cost you a penny. You can spread your name, spread your whatever. This is your opportunity. Do you think Kenneth Copeland took that? Absolutely not. 50 years later, or 40 some odd years later, he's still here today feeding people absolute trash. Six Lear jets, by the way. Lots of money. Lots of money. They don't care if they know anything. He couldn't go up and debate him. He would, get his, he would just get his rear end handed to him. Can I say that? Rear end handed to him? I just did, so I guess it's okay. But it's just like today, folks. You go, you go out there and you say whatever you want. You know, all you need to do is brand yourself. 
I'm a prophet. Right? I'm an apostle. Right? You see this all the time. I'm I'm a bishop. I'm a whatever. And you get a bunch of ignorant people to follow you based on your title, not on your biblical understanding. And watch the people send their checks. Watch the money come flowing in. Folks, people then, just like people today, follow after these people because they too deviate from the truth. The people who are wanting what these people are feeding them, they too deviate from the truth. They're the ones who want what they're offering. Remember what you saw in the video at the very beginning? Of course you're sucking people in. You're offering everything the devil offers them. Here they come flocking in. Their lives are never transformed. You know why? Because fake doctrines don't transform lives. Paul says it just promotes controversies and meaningless talk. Instead of creating a love with a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith, it puts out damning lies that will send many people to an eternal hell. And this is why you had that stern warning back in Titus. This must be silenced, he says. False teachers must be silenced. Folks, I firmly believe that this will not happen until churches and the people who attend those churches get into the Word of God. I know that sounds like an an easy fix, but it is to a certain degree. There are millions, millions and millions of professing Christians today who are following these false teachers. How many of these followers do you think are rock solid in their biblical understanding? None. None. They can't be or they would not be following them. They wouldn't have been duped. Grab anybody from a Benny Hinn crusade or who goes to see Copeland or any of these people. Talk to them about Scripture. They're completely and totally ignorant. They might tell you some things, but where do you find that in Scripture? Throw me chapter and verse. They're ignorant. They don't know. That's why they're sucked into this. And please don't ever think to yourself, well, I'm above that. That'll never happen to me. Well, I hope it won't. Now, I don't believe it'll ever happen to me, not because I'm better than you, because I've been doing this long enough to where I can sit here and listen to somebody and usually pick out something and go, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not right. But a lot of people can't. What I do for a living, I, I, I'm blessed to be able to study the Bible, to study history and culture and all, Greek and all these things. I, I get to do that. But not everybody else does. But to, to know more, we have to study God's word. They count, they count on people being ignorant. Because for, for those of you folks who are pretty solid in your faith, <laughs> you're not going to turn on the sky and go, oh man, we need to fly to wherever and go to his crusade. You're not going to do that. You're gonna, this guy's a doof. But he's counting on people being ignorant. See? And listen to me, folks. It is not a cliche to say get into the word of God and get the word of God into you. That is not a cliche. Because until it happens, there's going to be more false teachers and there's going to be more ignorant followers every single day. But when it happens, when it happens, when any false teacher comes around, when some new guy on TV or somebody else's Jesse Duplantis, I didn't remember him, when he comes on, you're going to know it like that. You're going to go, wait a second, (laughs) that's not right. You know because you went to the Bible study. 
You went to the Sunday school class. You came to a church that, that, that teaches through scripture. You understand the right books and things of this nature. And so you're ready. Not only do you know the word of God, that's your goal, to know the word of God, but, but now you're protected. You're gonna go, there's no way, that's baloney. See, it's an after effect. But that's what you want. When a false teacher comes along, you're gonna know it instantaneously. But yet millions and millions of people who are just like you don't. And they get drawn into to this. The final words to the church in Revelation were, be earnest and repent. The last words to the church in Revelation, be earnest and repent. That needs to go to today. Not just the people who call themselves the church, who teach all this garbage, the false teachers, but the people who just let it happen. Just let it, just let it go and never stand up against it, never stand opposed to it, never speak out against it. You don't have to be a schmo. You don't have to be a jerk. But you can't let people malign the very word of God and allow it to wreck people's lives. And so the church today needs to repent of what it's not doing. It's not protecting the church. It's not encouraging them. It's not teaching them. Sadly, the church today is just enabling it. Which is one of the reasons I like MacArthur in that video because he has the guts to stand up and say, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is satanic, and here's why. People, most people won't do that. That's what makes him popular, one reason, because he's also a good expositor of truth. But it also makes him popular because he's willing to do that. Nobody else is. There's some great Bible teachers out there, but they're not willing to stand up and say, look, this is utter nonsense. We're losing people uh, and, and families and lives to, f- to, to people who are just, they work for Satan. This, this is not, like I said, this is not a difference in denominations. This isn't people picking on each other because you go to this church and I go to that. That's, that's irrelevant. That's nothing to do with this. But it's so prevalent today. It's, and some of you may have friends, may have family members who get sucked into it, and you begin to realize how real it is. It's very damaging to, to households because it instantly brings division. It instantly brings division. And it suckers people in many, many ways. Many people, what they call go out, they eventually learn and go out the back doors, and they say, I never want to go back to the church again. Because somebody who called themselves a pastor, called themselves this, called themselves that, has been lying to me. Is, is driving a Jaguar and doing whatever else they do. Many people go out the back doors of churches never to enter the front door again. It's very, very devastating. It's all throughout Scripture, and it's all around our country today. And I hope that you will contemplate that. I hope that you will realize that. I hope that you'll know the truth from error and to be able to defend yourself but be faithful in the Scriptures. All right, I'll shut up. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we can look at this today, and um, thank you, Lord, that we can know the truth. Thank you that you're not hiding it from us. You're, you're giving it to us. You're saying, here it is. Study it. Study it in context. Study it in its original languages. Meet with other godly people that you can work with. God, thank you that you give us each other. You give us the church. You give us your word. You give us your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we need to use this for our own benefit, for your glory, but Lord, also to protect ourselves. We need to, quote, put on the full armor of God. We're never told to take it off. And the only offensive weapon we have is the word of God. It's amazing how that happens. Lord, help us to protect ourselves and others as Satan is going full bore today and bringing up as many false teachers as he can. And Lord, so many people are lied to because they're, giving a li- they're given a little bit of the truth and they're holding on to that. But in between it, they're getting a lie. And these people are good at what they do. 
God, open our eyes, help us to see, protect us every day, and help us to be people of the word. That's why you gave it. In Jesus' name, amen.